And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and on the phone line with us today is Dr. P. Andrew Sandlin. He's a minister, a cultural theologian, an author, and founder and president of the Center for Cultural Leadership. Uh, Andrew, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Dan, and it's a joy to be back, as always. (laughs) It's a wonderful time of year, and um, it's it's busy, certainly, but that's that's a good busyness. It's especially nice to get together with family and friends, and especially to worship with God's people in church and sing the wonderful hymns and psalms and hear God's Word preached. Andrew, yeah. when you think of Christmas— and the coming of Jesus, what are some of the thoughts that come to your mind? Uh, that's a sharp and good question. Um, it might sound strange to some, but I almost immediately and invariably go back to the beginning of the Bible, and particularly in uh, Genesis 3.15, that first gospel promise, the uh, protevangelium, uh, that uh, Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent, Satan, and his minions. Christ coming into the world as a Savior King is really the focal point of the entire Word of God, that uh, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hmm. And where Satan led Adam and Eve into sin, plunged the entire human race into sin, and in fact the entire cosmos affected by sin, creation itself though not itself sinful, under the curse because of sin, that God promised his Son, Jesus Christ, coming into the world to turn things around. We often think about the gospel in terms of 1 Corinthians 15, and it certainly is a great summary. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures. But we immediately must ask ourselves, why? And, of course, the answer is to do away with sin. But we can't limit that to our individual hearts and lives. Certainly, Christ's death on the cross will save all of those who will uh, trust in him. But it's also to undo what uh, Satan essentially did in Genesis chapter 3. Christmas is basically God's major and very loud and ongoing statement that Satan will not win in time and history, that God will win through his Son in time and history. So when we celebrate Christ coming into the world at Advent and his specific birth at Christmas, we're really celebrating God's completely recapturing and retaking his cosmic order. Now, I know we don't think about that because we often have in mind with pictures, understandably, of this little helpless babe in a manger, and that is how he came in great weakness, God showing how that his kingdom can start very small in advance. But it was nothing less than a cosmic victory when Christ was born into the world. That's the first thing that I think of 
uh, when I think of uh, of Advent and Christmas. That's a wonderful comment, and um, particularly in light of the fact that um, many many folks right now perhaps are discouraged because of various uh, political facts on the ground, uh, disappointments in people, uh, possibly some hurts here and there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, we're to be encouraged, are we not? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and this is why that our eschatology has to be driven by this very understanding of the promise of Genesis 3.15, and of course these other promises. And of course the great announcement to the shepherds, and the great angelic, annou- angelic announcement to Mary, and to Joseph, and of course even later Jesus coming in the temple. Uh, Christ coming into the world is all about an utter optimism and utter victory. And uh, that victory is coming in time and history. Now, God and his good and sovereign purposes allow Satan to continue to work. But Satan is a, uh, is a defeated foe. Uh, he's predestined to defeat. Essentially, God could do away with Satan and sin tomorrow. He could eliminate all of it. But he's decided not to do that. Because a Adam, a man, fell into sin, God is going to use a redeemed man, mankind, those of us who trust Christ, to help advance the kingdom. So where Adam failed, Christ, of course, succeeded, and all of us redeemed and joined to him by faith will also, over time, succeed in trampling down, under Christ's authority, of course, and in the Spirit's power, trampling down all of this evil. That's why every day when we get up and our feet hit the floor, we should be victory people. Now, hardship comes to all of us, as you said, Dan, death in this life, and sickness, and great reversals, and loss of friendships, and difficulties even in church, and Christian ministry. All of that comes to us because we live in a world that's still fallen. But the fallenness of the world, its days are numbered because Christ came into the world and shed his blood, and even more importantly, rose again and has ascended to heaven from where he rules. Because of that, Christian people should be victory people all the time. Despite and even in the midst of great hardship, even martyrdom, we can live as victory people because of the glorious promises of the Word of God. God will not let his creation go. He will not let it go. He is going to accomplish his goodwill. And not just after the second advent, though it will only come in its fullness then, but also in many ways before the second advent. Yes, amen. Uh, sometimes, um, today we're talking with Dr. P. Andrew Sandlin, uh, sometimes we hear of um, terrible persecution, even to the point of death. And um, quite often then we observe, um, very humbly, very humbly observe, because it wasn't us who got killed yet, <laughs> that um, the gospel advances. It, it, it's counterintuitive. Have you ever noticed that? It is. And, you know, that really begins with... <laughs> The first uh, martyrdom, the first real martyr in the Christian church, of course, Stephen in the book of Acts. Yes. If you read his sermon there, it's, he certainly knew that either he was going to be martyred or there was a good chance after what he was saying that he would be persecuted or martyred. Uh, yet, of course, what Christ-drenched statements he made, what statements of great victory over the one who would come, the Messiah who would come and would rise up. And then you think of Peter. Of course, he was martyred later, too, but in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the great message, quoting the Psalms about uh, when David spoke of Christ and how the Christ is raised up to sit on David's throne. So 
It's interesting, Dan, a lot of people aren't aware of this, that times of great martyrdom are also times of great optimism in the Church. <laughs> and yes. that's, that's sort of the irony that you said. And why is that? Because we know even if we die for the faith, that uh, nonetheless the faith itself will go on, and the very fact that Satan knows that he must martyr the people of God shows he knows his time is short. In fact, we actually read about that in the book of Revelation. In uh, Revelation chapters 11 and 12, it's very clear that the dragon, Satan, they know that they have but a short time. He viciously persecutes the woman and the saints because of that. So we really know what Satan is afraid of, because he so uh, strongly and so viciously persecutes the Church. Well, that's a good point. Wonderful point. Um, there is a portion of Scripture, maybe you can help me remember it, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it talks about Jesus reigning, and it, and it kind of implies uh, his second coming happens after he's accomplished some work. Can you Do you remember that portion? No, that is in the early portion of 1 Corinthians 15. In fact, I, I don't know of any text in the Bible, certainly not in such a short space, that teaches this victorious eschatology better, because basically that's a sequence of redemptive history. It teaches there that Christ is reigning, presently reigning, and that his reign, his earthly reign, will not end until all of his enemies are placed under his feet. Of course, that's Old Testament language used a number of yeah. times in the Old Testament and cited in the New Testament. Now, the important thing to understand about that is this is something that uh, Paul says happened as a result of the resurrection. It wasn't. It's not going to happen merely at the, what we call the second advent. That's not really biblical language, but we know what we mean by that. Christ's second, the parousia, the, the appearing of Christ the second time, and he certainly will appear the second time. But for Paul, this reign of Christ began actually at his first coming, and notably concentrated in the period after his resurrection. Mm. Some people say uh, often, Jesus came to die. That is correct. But we could equally say, Jesus came to die and rise and rule. (laughs) We can't sort of isolate the death of Christ, which was necessary to pay for the sins of the world. We can't sort of pull out that one aspect, and neglect the others. Christ came to die and rise and rule. And, of course, that's all, all of those are, of course, bound up in the Christmas season and then Advent. Yes, amen. Well, today we're talking with Dr. P. Andrew Sandlin. And before I forget, uh, Andrew, can you share with us um, references, um, URLs, where people can go and look you up online? Yes, thank you. You're always so kind to uh, give me that opportunity, Dan. Uh, You can check out the uh, information about the Center for Culture Leadership at our website. It's easy to remember. Christian Culture, that's written as though it were one word, christianculture.com. And then uh, you can go to my blog, Doc Sandlin, again, written as one word, dot com. Uh, You can sign up for my uh, weekly uh, newsletter. In fact, my one for... um, this week, I think you'll still be able to get it even on Christmas Day. Just do a little search. I think the title will be uh, The Christmas God is the Real God, uh, but there are all sorts of, uh, a number of those. If you go to YouTube, I have a YouTube channel. Just type my name in there and you can find it. Also to iTunes for the lectures, sermons, and so on, um, and uh, audio and video. So if you just do sort of a, a, a search for my name, you'll find all sorts of things like that and uh, learn and other people associated with CCL by the way not just me but that's where those are places you can go to get things oh by the way final I should have mentioned this 
uh, my Amazon uh, author page, just P. Andrew Sandlin, and there are just, I don't know, 25, 30 books, both hard copy and digital, that you can order there. Yeah. Yeah, those digital books are neat. You can download them onto a device and read them that way, and that keeps the cost down, too. Although I'm sure you'd like to make a little bit more, but anyway, just just for no, people no, no, to no, know. No, 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 you're right. It's uh, We like to do some hard copy and some digital and some both, but you're right. A lot of young people today in particular, some older ones too, like us, <laughs> uh, like to do digital uh, digital reading. So some of the shorter books we do that way. It's, it's, a, it's a good way to immediately get important information in people's hands. Well, you must get tired from time to time because sometimes you fly – to various seminars that you participate in, and I'm sure it, it takes its toll on you. But let's focus on this for a minute, and that is you meet a lot of people. You you see what's happening, much more than myself, because I don't get around that much. I kind of situate myself here in the studio and reach out that way. But you actually see stuff on the ground. Um, are we to be discouraged, Andrew? I mean, what what are you seeing out there? Uh, you mentioned young people. Are they motivated in, in this sort of thing? You bet. Um, I think, and let us think about uh, the rather staggering events of the last uh, two or three years, uh, the rise of, uh, as a result of the tragic killing of uh, George Floyd and other events, the rise of this Marxist Black Lives Matter and the riots. Of course, that was a very shattering uh, experience. And uh, then, of course, there is the just remarkable emergence of the trans movement and uh, parents and even children um, having their bodies um, modified. That's a nice euphemism for harmed by trying to change them from male to female or vice versa. Just it's horrific. Uh, and then, not to even mention uh, the statism as a result of dramatic overreach in light of the COVID. Now, those are just three things that have gone on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> those are all negative things, of course, for sure. But because of God's sovereignty, there, is actually, there have actually been good benefits that have resulted from those. And mostly, that is Christians who finally, who just ordinarily would kind of at a distance observe what's going on and say, well, it's sad what's going on in the world, but not much we can do about it. But nonetheless, these things in many ways have touched people in very personal ways. And therefore, this has energized many Christians. I know, in fact, Dan, of churches that have started, a number of churches that have started as a result of these events. Oh, neat. Uh, churches willing to meet, young people that are willing to stand up for the faith. I was speaking at a Christian school in Corpus Christi two or three months ago, and I preached on some of these very things and made it very pointed uh, about young people and all of the temptations, not just sexual temptations, but temptations to worldliness and compromise and apostasy. Many, many students there, and I asked them at the end if they would stand, if they'd be willing to make a public stand for Jesus Christ. Virtually everybody did. Mm. Deeply shaken. The teachers later told me that uh, there was a t great time of revival in the school and prayer meetings going. Amen. So that's not a testimony to me. That is a testimony to the truth of God and his work, and how that even amidst all of the evil that we have gone through, nonetheless, out of evil, God can bring great righteousness and great victory. We can thank God for that. In fact, I've been in the ministry now, what, going on almost 40 years. I'm not sure if there's any time in my ministry when I've been more enthusiastic and thrilled about the prospects, not just 
for the uh, future a long way off, that's certainly true, but also even the immediate future Mm -hmm. because of what the God, the Spirit, is doing in the midst of these difficult times. That's a beautiful thing. Now, let's say there's a young person listening right now who maybe uh, from a distance has kind of dipped his toe into some of the good stuff that you guys are doing there at the Center for Cultural Leadership. Um, Is there any particular book or books that you might recommend them to read? Yeah, that is very good. Um, I think that maybe the best starter, I mean, there are several. I'll mention two or three of them, Dan. Thanks for the opportunity. But uh, I think it's a starter for a young person. I've got one you can just check online called Make Christianity Great Again. Of course, we all know the statement from the previous <laughs> president, Make America Great Again, and that's good, too. But there's even something more important than that, and that is Make Christianity Great Again. Uh, so if they get that book, I think you can get it digitally or a hard copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my book, short book, uh, most young people could understand my book, Christian Culture, an introduction. But in some ways, maybe the most important of the three is the one on the Christian sexual worldview. And I say that because uh, I just just so deeply uh, saddened by and grieved by how the young people are being uh, made susceptible to the ravages of the sexual revolution, yes. destroying their innocence, destroying their purity, destroying their minds, destroying their bodies. So uh, recovering a Christian worldview specifically as it relates to biblical sexuality and the beauty of human sexuality, a creational sexuality, if they could read that, that would be great. It's called um, The Christian Sexual Worldview, and again, you can get that uh, online also. Yeah, those are great suggestions. And what about that young person who maybe just happened to tune our way today? It's Christmas Day. Uh, looking for a word from the Lord, as it were, and that really comes from His Word, the Bible. But um, what if they're right on the verge of giving in to sexual temptation, uh, losing uh, all that they have, and giving it away, as it were? Any word to that particular young person? Dan, I will end with a story that I've told only several times, and uh, it's a personal story, but I think it might be helpful. I think when I, I was reared in a very godly home, uh, I think when I was about 17 or 18, I'd love to go out and take long walks, uh, like a lot of young people. Well, maybe not so many today with all their devices, but one area where I like to walk, uh, where we were living at the time, was near a large salt plant, and there was a, uh, I would walk out down near uh, Lake Erie. Well, there was a particular road there, often traveled by a number of trucks going to this salt plant. Well, I was walking on this road one day. I had walked it many, many times, and I noticed I noticed in the middle of the road, what drew my attention, was a highly glossy magazine right in the middle of the road. Now, Dan, you might not believe this story. It's very strange, but I assure you before God, this absolutely happened. What drew my attention to it was it was so glossy and in pristine condition. I mean, this was a road that had trucks going down it again and again and again. Any magazine, anything that was on the road would have been just run over and besmirched. Well, so that drew my, drew my attention. So I went over to that. I had to look. I went over to this magazine. It was face up. The title of the magazine, Dan, was Intercourse Illustrated, right in the middle of the road. And I thought, this is staggering. Of course, even at 17 and 18, with raging hormones, like all young people, I knew what was in that magazine. And by God's grace, I didn't pick it up. Mm. I've thought about this, Dan, like all men. I mean, I could fall into sin tomorrow. By God's grace, I'm held only by his grace. I believe that had I picked that magazine up and looked at it, the entire course of the rest of my life would have been different. Oh, 
So true. I believe that to young people, resist sin. If you resist sin, now there's always forgiveness, but it's better to resist sin by the power of God and the Spirit. If you resist sin, including sexual temptation, it's amazing what God will do with your life. I would encourage you at all costs, and trusting on the power of the Spirit and relying on the Lord, resist sin, and your life will be dramatically better. Amen. Amen. These are excellent words today, uh, dear listener, from Dr. P. Andrew Sandlin. And, um, Andrew, um, you're um, married now. Uh, you have children, I believe. And do yeah, you have, five do, adult children, all in their 30s, four grandchildren. <laughs> um, so it's just like you, just uh, thank God for a wonderful family. Yes, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, we could talk for hours, but I know you're on a kind of a tight schedule. So any um, final words to our listener today, this Christmas Day? Yes. Of course, because of the season, thank God for coming into the world to rescue man. But I would say even more than that, not more than that, but uh, lateral to that, live in great faith and hope and confidence in what God is doing in the world. There's no reason to be pessimistic. Walk out in faith. God honors faith. God honors boldness when we step out for him again and again in the Word of God. Think of Jesus and his disciples out fishing. Think of uh, his disciples when he dispersed them. Think in the Old Testament of all that Abraham did, acting in faith. Of course, read Hebrews 11 and all of the great saints of faith. Live constantly in faith and obedience, and we will not even understand all that God can do for us. Eye is not seen nor ear heard what the Lord will do for those who wait on him. Amen. Our guest today has been Dr. P. Andrew Sandlin, and he is with the Center for Cultural Leadership, the president and the founder of that fine organization. Check them out online and support them if possible. And Brother Sandlin... Thank you very much for joining us, and we wish you a very blessed Christmas. You too, Dan. Look forward to talking to you uh, uh, early next year. (laughs) And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem.
the first Noel The angel did sing Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields where they lay Keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night That was so Oh, come.